the, the Boga Honey Podcast. That's why I, I tried not to have cams on my bow. I don't have to deal with slippage or anything Shut like up. that. You just put a new string on there, you're fine. What is Boga? But seriously, that's the dumbest thing you've ever seen. Go- I am all about Just strap it to your pack. Really appreciate the fact that you're from Michigan and not Georgia. You don't want to be the next Mark Kenyon. No. I'm a shit show. <laughs> that's, that spot's taken. You can see how pathetic Jared's face is right now. <laughs> because that's how it looked. It was just like, is this good enough? Hey, everybody. Before we begin, we're going to thank a couple of sponsors that helped make this show possible. First up is Vortex Optics. We've been using their glass for a long time. Uh, everything from their binoculars, spotting scopes, rangefinders, and a new thing called Vortex Edge. Vortex Edge is their new world-class firearm training course, and they, they're going to provide courses on precision rifle, uh, pistol, a couple of military tactics, and of course, hunting and outdoors. And also, their spring and summer apparel line is dropping soon. So make sure to head over to vortex.com apparel and save yourself 20%. By using what code? BOGA20. Nice. Trophy line, tree saddles. They are a one-stop shop. Sticks, platforms, yeah, saddles. It's uh, And they just came out with a new EDP platform. It's a smaller, lighter, stronger version of the mission platform made in the U.S. It's the perfect size for us as mobile hunters. It's going to be available this April, so make sure to go and get yourself one. Save yourself 10% while you're doing it and use the code BOGAHUNTINGTL10. Don't miss any letters in that. Go check them out. If we said it once, we said it a thousand times. Arrows are the lifeblood of the archery industry. Vector arrows, vector custom arrows are the arrows that we shoot. Jared and I specifically shoot the vector HMR, the vector hammers. Hammer them. Yep. They're a four millimeter micro diameter shaft that are super strong, extremely durable. You're going to go to the website. All you have to do is input your specs and they're going to build the arrows directly for your specs. So head over to vectorcustomshop.com and they're going to hook you up. We do a lot of things on our phones. One of the things that Jared and I have found to be especially useful on our phone is our HuntWise app. It's the base. It's basically the ultimate hunting tool yep. set. Land boundaries. They've got HuntCast 2.0, where it, it's an advanced hunting forecast to give you specific times and days that are the best days to hunt. And they also provide a safe and social space for hunters, where you can post pictures, share stories. You won't get a graphic image, yeah, you know, Instagram not- cover over it. <laughs> Uncensored and unbiased. Yep. Download the HuntWise app today. No, no, turn it off, turn it off. (laughs) (laughs) No, take it back, take it back. (laughs) Oh, that's perfect. Well, not to, like, look at how much of a flex that background is right now. Dang. Mm, Yeah, really. uh, (laughs) Say, hey, guys, look at at these. Check it out. Not even a big deal. (laughs) Uh, Let's just jump right into it. Let's do it. Ben, uh, it's been, I'm sorry, it's taking me so long to get you on. with I'm moving right now and and uh, I did not make that easy, but I'm I very much appreciate you taking the time to come on. Hey, no problem. Uh, um, so before we like get into some of the things that I want to talk about, you want to introduce who you are. Uh, you know, maybe explain your affiliation with the shirt that you're wearing and, and everything else. Yeah, my name is Ben Massey. Um, I'm from West Central Indiana. Um, I'm a freelance filmmaker and I'm also a traditional bow hunter. Um, and I'm wearing a push t-shirt, um, been associated with those guys for 
I think probably two years now, they've become pretty good friends. And uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. I've, I've done some filming for them, some editing for them. And that's kind of where it is right now. But yeah, I really enjoy it. West Central Illinois. I'm, uh, or in, did you say Indiana, not Illinois? Yeah. Uh, yep. My family is from North West. Northeast. Northwest. Sorry, Northwest Indiana. Yeah, Northwest Indiana. You said uh, like east. Up, near, up near Lake Michigan? Yeah, like they're Gary. Um, like kind of near Gary. If okay, uh, yeah. if you're familiar, like Lan- Lansing and Sherryville and mm. Merrillville, they have a lot of villas. Yeah, Merrillville. Yeah, that's about an hour, hour and fifteen minutes north of me. Okay, yeah. So, anyways, that's where my my dad's side. That's where all they all come from. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, wh- a couple <laughs> things that I wanted to talk to you about is first of all, you just came out fairly recently with a pretty cool film with South Cox following around the mountains. I mean, it was. Absolutely, like a stunning footage, uh, beautifully edited. You want to talk a little bit about what that was and you know that experience with him? Yeah, that was a uh, high country mule deer hunt out in Colorado last September. Um, it was, I think, a, it was supposed to be an. I think it was supposed to be an eight day hunt. I think we were up there for six. Um, had a pretty bad snowstorm rolling in, and that pushed a lot of guys off the mountain, all over Colorado. Um, got he got super close on multiple stocks as you can see in the film and he he just it just didn't come together and that's how stick bow hunting is just how bow hunting is i guess but uh even more so with the stick but um you know a guy from west central indiana like 500 foot elevation going up there camping at like over twelve thousand feet it was a uh and i'm obviously not super fit guy um it was quite taxing on me but um, especially falling around a mountain ninja like South. Yeah. He's um, moves well for an old it. guy. Gosh, I, I, I couldn't keep up with the guy, especially lugging a 10 pound camera around and trying to get footage of it. And, um, no, it, I was, I was a little nervous about the storyline cause he didn't kill anything. Um, but we were able to come up with a pretty decent storyline to kind of to arc the whole story together and kind of tell the, the story about stick bow hunting and the low odds percentage and, in that kind of situation it so. was i mean it was it was like obviously like the shots were incredible uh and just i like some of the use of silence like it, it was it was a, a cool cool hunt um when you're coming up with like a storyline like that are you is this premeditated are you doing it as you're like talking with him about it on the fly or is this you come back and and try to fit it together how, how do you how do you make that work i kind of had the mood um as dumb as that sounds, I kind of had the mood picked out for how I wanted to edit it. I already had the soundtrack picked out and had kind of the color scheme and like the edit style um, figured out before I even headed out there. And then, of course, in my head, I'm picturing him shooting one and, you know, how that storyline is going to go. And then we pack up at four o'clock in the morning on that last day, hiking off the mountain. I was like, okay, now we're not going to get one. Um, Now what do we do? So, I had, you know, a few hours hiking off the mountain to kind of discuss it with him and kind of brainstorm and figure out how we're going to get a decent story out of a no-kill hunt. And, uh, you know, we by the time we got off the mountain, we had a, a pretty good plan figured out. And then it was just a matter of coming back to the editing suite and just kind of working through footage and trying to figure out how to arc that story and, and make it come full circle. Um, and it, I think it turned out okay. Um, it obviously would have been even cooler at least for me to to have a kill um but i was i was pretty pleased with how it turned out so yeah i'd say probably half of it was figured out before even heading to colorado and then the other half was was definitely post hunt 
How'd you get in f- touch with South? He's like very far other end of the country, you know. Um, like, how'd you guys run into each other and, and decide to do a project like this? Is a this is a big major project, and I would imagine, like you said uh, tonight, you spent a lot of hours in the editing studio, uh, mm-hmm. you know. So, like, how'd you get in touch with him? Um, I met him. Uh, well, I basically met him through the push. Tim Nebel with the push um, has done multiple films for him in the past and has done a lot of his editing. Um, and he was actually requested to go with South on this hunt and he had prior obligations. So Tim said, Hey, give Ben a call. Cause I'm sure he would be interested. And it took about three seconds of me knowing that the opportunity was open for me to say, yep, I'm going. So, um, and I had met South, um, I think up at the, the Kalamazoo traditional show like that, the January before, yeah, it would be that January of 2020. That's right south of where um, we are. That's why we are ex- get all excited. Yeah, yep. 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 So we were at Kalamazoo, and I met him, got to talk with him, and I thought, man, if – and I basically – I'm pretty sure I even told him, if that opportunity ever came up for me to follow you around with a camera on the mountain, I would absolutely just die to do it. And so it took zero convincing once that opportunity came up. And I'm, I'm glad Tim wasn't able to go because that was a, a pretty awesome hunt of a lifetime for a camera guy. Yeah. So. That was beautiful. I mean, you, so you guys were up 12,000 feet. Do you have the thing like the first couple nights where you wake up a lot in the night? And, like, because <gasps> like when I go camp on the mountain, like I'll wake up and then in the middle of the night, like, <gasps> like catching my breath. Uh, do, do you have that kind of thing when you're out there? <laughs> I had it the entire time I was yeah. up there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, hated, I, dude. I didn't have any trouble sleeping. Um, I did wake up a lot, but I, I didn't ever feel like it was because of oxygen deprivation. It just, I would just wake up and it took me about three seconds to figure out, Hey, I'm up here on the mountains. Like it took, I was like, where am I? Um, it's pretty surreal up there. It's just, I mean, it's so different than corn country down here. It's, it's gorgeous. And it's the first time I've been, I've been out West a few times, but I've never been up in the mountains, high elevation. Yeah. I mean, above timberline. It was, it was so incredible. I mean, everywhere you look is like a postcard. Yeah. It's, it's so, once you get to that certain elevation, 10, 12, whatever it is, and you're above the tree line and you're like, like you can just see so far, everything's so clear up there. Uh, at least when it's not like foggy or whatever. And right. I mean, it's just like, like you said, where we come from, it's like a lot of big woods and corn. And just the amount of space that there is, is just incredible. That's gorgeous. I, I would, I would go back. I'm, <laughs> I need to be in better shape than that last. And I, and I also, I never realized what issues would come up. Cause down here I have no trouble breathing. Obviously sure. it's 500 feet and I can, I can run around do whatever and have no trouble breathing. Boy, as soon as you get up there, it's just like, it takes three you know 30 seconds of walking and then you know you need 10 seconds to kind of catch your breath and 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 you get all parrot you get in your head about i at least get in my head about i'm like yes no you're fine easy gym steady 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 gym you're fine it's just oxygen but you're like okay my it was funny my wife um we went out and we were staying with some friends in like the fraser area in colorado which is fairly high she had flown in and she like a lot of times what I found is it's easier to get acclimated if you drive in as opposed to you fly in and you're just suddenly up, up high. We flew in, got picked up and went and it was funny. Like she took one step out of the car and puked in the guy's bushes. <laughs> right? I'm like, Oh, come on. But it's, but the interesting thing was, um, he, he has battled with cancer in his life. And so he is an oxygen machine for, for certain times. So he's like, Oh, no worries at all. Come here. It throws her an oxygen. And she's like, instantly feels fine she was like it was incredible you just throw some oxygen right in her nose and work great 
Well, what, what was weird about it was when I, I had talked to Tim Neville about it, and he said, it's funny because you'll feel super out of breath. Your heart is just beating out of your chest. But then if you stop, it only takes a, a handful of seconds to get to where your heart rate comes back down and you feel good. But then you start taking off again. Like you said, it gets into your head, um, especially, I mean, like I said, Salsa Mountain Ninja, dude, that guy, he runs up the mountains and it's like, it's nothing. So right. he turns around and goes, Hey, you coming? I'm, and he was kind <laughs> of up, up. <laughs> to wait up for me, but I'm like, man, I was just, I was struggling to breathe, but the, the view and the opportunity was just, it was it totally made up for any inconvenience. What state were you in again? West central Indiana. Yeah. No, I know what state were, which Colorado. State were oh, in Colorado. Colorado. Yeah. 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 Yeah, mule deer in Colorado is like the dream. I mean, that's that's like the place to go. Uh, when you were going, like the question that we always have is like you're dealing with battery issues. It seems like uh, in, with camera. I mean, it didn't get terribly mm -hmm. cold except it did when it did and snowstorm blow, blew in. But um, yep. like, how are you dealing? What's like battery management looking like for something like that? Well, and that was something I also. I mean, I I picked Tim's brain a lot before I went. Um, he filmed with I think like a Sony A7 III um with smaller batteries or he, i think i think he had just filmed for south like two or three weeks before i went to colorado and he had filmed out in nevada for south hunt for mule deer um and he was using like these power banks plugged in like usb to his camera and charging it that way and he only had to bring like eight or ten of those and he was good for a week i was using like these i was using like these sony um npf batteries to run my black magic cinema camera and I was having to use an external monitor. And so I had a, a battery to power the camera and a battery to power the monitor. So I was kind of budgeting two of those big things at least per day. And then I thought, well, contingency, I'm gonna bring more. And I ended up, if, if we hadn't used llamas to pack up on there, I would have had to rethink some things because I had multiple, multiple pounds of batteries to where I showed up, South said, bring as much as you think you need, uh, we'll figure it out. And then I got up there to the mountain. He goes, holy cow, you got a lot of batteries. I said, well, I don't want to run out, but, but Tim had said, you're going to use less than you think you are. And it was, and it was true. Cause I mean, there's, there's not a lot to film up there. Cause a lot of it's just glassing and you're waiting for a stock opportunity to turn the camera on the film. Um, so I, I, I definitely went through about half the, not even half the batteries that I brought up there, but. It's better to have yeah. them and not need them than exactly. need them and not. Yeah, them. I I think the next time I go, I'll I'll probably be able to pack less just because I was so terrified that I was going to run out of something. I was going to run out of storage. I was going to run out of batteries. Um, I had like a little solar panel to charge some batteries up there, um, just in like the worst case scenario. And I didn't. Yeah, I didn't use any of it. Um, so I, I know better next time if that opportunity ever comes up again. But. Um, yeah, I think the llamas were regretting my poor choices. <laughs> That's right. They got their workout, man. They earned that those yeah. uh, that feed. Um, <laughs> all right. So, I mean, elephant in the room. And by elephant, I mean all the giant deer in your background. Uh, <laughs> like, so uh, one thing I did see is this year, you got it. What was that deer's name? Spork? Was it Spork? Yeah, right there. Yeah, that's a monster buck. Are, are all the deer that I'm looking at right now in your Indiana area? Yeah, yep. Yeah, West Central Indiana. Um yeah, they're all probably within, I think, yeah, the that big eight-pointer was 2016. That one was last year, uh, Spork. That one was like 2015. Um, all the others just kind of, I mean, those are all probably my bucks within the last eight or eight or nine years or so. Um, 
yeah there's some good deer running around but indiana doesn't have a lot of big deer so yeah that's right <laughs> yeah that's right, right. yeah so clearly <laughs> we, we're from michigan you know i don't know like our, our, we have very different definitions is this right here see this uh this deer with the fork like that's that's, that's a Michigan monster right there, man. That's that's a decent. I've got spread. I've got cousins. I've got cousins from uh, Grand Haven, Michigan. Okay, well, some and, toothless uh, cousins. They, <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> they they hunt. I think they hunt up in the upper lower peninsula. Yep. Up in there in the big woods, and man, they're thrilled if they even see a deer. So yep. I know I know certain spots in Michigan, it can be a whole different animal than down here in corn country in West Central Indiana. But yeah. Um, yeah, we yeah. Uh, that we hunted up in the north, lower peninsula. I mean, there's some like ape. They we have this these APR zones that they've been having in place for a while, and they're they're actually starting to pay off. Um, but you know, we had Grant Wood, Doctor Grant Woods, on the other day, but at, like saying basically a lot of it's just like nutrition. You know, the nutrition yeah. is I mean is so critical. You can let leave them alone, but still, the age class here is different from the same age class. You know, by you, but I mean looking at your your background. I, pretty incredible tell us a little bit about spork uh you've been watching this deer for a while clearly if you named it yeah that that deer i think i had him for two years prior um it's a teeny tiny spot i killed him on three acres um but it was adjoining a property that doesn't get a ton of pressure um i had summer pictures of him for multiple well three seasons um and then last so last well i say last year it would have been 2019 2020 season uh he was three he was probably a one probably around 120 inch like seven or eight pointer um but he had he had a big frame and every time he would walk out it was like whoa grab your bow and then he would walk through and i, I passed him a couple times and boy he looked gorgeous and i knew he was probably going to hit that four-year-old jump um that a lot of bucks do and and i started getting pictures of him i still underestimated how big he was um pictures never i was like yeah i mean he's nice but i had another one around there that i was chasing a little bit i wanted a little more um and actually so the morning i killed him i killed him on i think it was like the 24th of october um on a morning hunt it was really slow but i think the previous evening right at dark i think it was the previous evening or two evenings before the buck that I was actually going after, uh, it was a big typical 12. Um, he had just been in there right at dark. Anyway, I knew he was in that area. Um, and I thought, well, if he's, if he's around, there's a chance he'll loop through this little bedding area. Um, it's basically a little thicket that I get to hunt right there. Um, is it like, I, is it I, residential? It's like a, such a small piece of land. No, it's actually, it's, it's an 80 acre field, but it's got three acres of huntable timber on it. And it basically is just, there's a huge block of timber and then uh on the on the neighbor's side and then i hunt basically an open field just adjoining it with a little three acre peninsula that points out into the wood out into the field and it has bulletproof access with an east wind uh which is kind of an oddball wind but it's a great spot because if i have an east wind it's kind of no question where i'm gonna go you know where to go um, yeah yeah I, I can hunt it on north i actually think i killed him I'd have to look back. I almost feel like it was on a north wind that morning. Um, the peninsula sticks far enough out. If I sit toward the end of it, I can keep a consistent wind blowing out into the field. Sometimes um, it's nice to have that little off wind rather than the perfect wind. Because yeah, it seems like yep. they're almost kind of counting on the wind to be in their favor, and they don't, they yep. don't really see you do it. Like it's, if for people who are listening, like almost like a diagonal wind where it's almost diagonal at the deer, but they're just off where your wind is. 
that makes yep. sense. Well, and, and I'm kind of set up. So um, I'm on a peninsula that sticks west up into the field off of the big block of woods. And the deer come in, obviously, from the east out of that block and walk that the perimeter of that. It's basically just a bowl. And they walk the perimeter of that um, peninsula that sticks out and go back into the big block of woods. Well, I set up on the south end of it waiting for like, I really like a north wind. A northwest wind, it's kind of blowing back into the timber way farther down. But the deer, as they're looping out into that peninsula, that northwest wind's kind of blowing in their face, like you were saying, and it's kind of quartering into them. It's almost wrong for me. Um, and I'd have to look. It may have been like a north, northwest wind. I can't remember. It was almost off the morning I killed them. Um, I didn't see... Actually, on the walk-in, the funny part is, on the walk-in, I saw eyeballs in the in the uh, headlamp as I was trying to sneak my way in. And I don't usually use a headlamp, but I heard something messing around. So I just popped it on real quick, saw eyeballs, turned it right back off. And I, I saw I waited out in the field and just kind of waited for the deer to push back into the woods. And it just trotted. I could hear it. It was super calm. I could hear it trot back into the woods. So I, I slipped in, climbed up the tree, hung the stand. Um... And then uh, I don't think I saw a deer all morning and it was about nine o'clock, uh, probably, what is that? Probably two, two and a half hours after daylight. And I went ahead and I brought the rattling antlers and thought, well, if there's something territorial around here and I knew Spork, I think the pre the previous year, the two times I passed him, I called him in. Oh, right. I knew he, he was, was receptive. Probably, he was very, very receptive to calling. Um so I, I barely had tickled those antlers together. It was a really light, just a little spar. Yeah. Hung it up, put it behind me, and looked back up, and he's charging out of that block of woods right at me. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. Well, and I didn't even pick up the bow. He's walking straight at me. And I thought, I don't, like, part of me wanted to kill him, part of me didn't. Because, like I said, there was another buck that I was wanting to kill in there. Um, and I knew Spork was one if he lived another year he probably would have been stupid big but at the same time i hadn't killed since yeah that buck in 2016 yeah and so it'd been a few years i'd you, eaten the tag you pass him though i remember a video of you like with a monster buck, like you like just I, a monster for us and he passed it and i'm like you <laughs> suck man yeah yeah it was <laughs> i huge. regretted that <laughs> Well, and that was with, that was with a stick bow yeah. in the hand. And it, uh, my cousin ended up finding that shed like seven miles away that winter. And it was a hundred percent that buck. Um, and it, uh, we basically from that, we knew it was probably a low one forties, eight pointer. Yeah. It was like, that's not a buck to sneeze at. And no. he looked, he looked pretty nice on the hoof and he especially looked nice as he's walking away. And I was like, <laughs> they looked Damn, that I should have thought that one. So in a nutshell, I had had my fill with a stick bow for a couple of years, yeah. picked up the compound, and of course, I kill Spork at 10 yards. I know. And That's the thing. He came, so I mean, he came right in, dude. He walked right to, I mean, right at me. He's yeah. walking straight up at me. He gets to about 20 yards. I'm like, well, I better grab my bow. So I just pulled the bow off the hanger, and I'm kind of half-heartedly looking at him, and then he kind of turns his head and just starts walking right in front of me. I mean, 10 yards, and just stop <laughs> in an opening. I'm like, Okay. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're done here. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's how it is. You know, like I've had the same thing. I've three years can just a traditional bow and I'm mixing in a little compound this year. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know that I'm going to go out there. I'm going to get this buck. Whereas the last three years they've been like 40 yards and it's just like, Oh uh, yeah. 
Now I'm going to get one right at that, yep. you know, 10 yard. And you're going to hate it. But I'm still, I mean, I'm going to feel great about it either way. But just knowing that I could have shot it with my recurve would have been, you know. Well, and I thought I would, because I killed, because so Indiana has like an urban season. Yep. Um, you have to earn it. You you have to hurt hunting. That's a really small zone. Um, but if you, kill a, if you kill a doe, you get an extra buck tag. Yep. And so I got an extra buck tag this year. And then, so I killed Spork on the 24th of October and then thought, well, I'm going to go try to fill the urban tag. And then I think a week into that, I, I killed another buck. And of course it, that one was at 15 yards as well. Like they were both sub 15 yards. And of course I'm, I thought it would bother me a little bit more that I didn't kill one, at least one of them with a stick bow, yeah. but you still got no. a buck. It's all really, <laughs> at the end of the day, like it doesn't matter. I don't know. It's all, they're all fun ways to, to yep. hunt. And yeah, just the fact I, that you I can shoot fun. a buck, you know. Um, well, and so I, I, uh, <laughs> just to not have any more temptation, I, right after season was over, I sold the compound. Thought, okay, did I'm you going, really? I'm, yeah, the compound's gone. So I thought, okay, I scratched that itch. Yeah, got the buck, got the bucks tagged, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a happy hunter. I'm good for another few years of drought if it takes that. I, you know, I've passed deer with a stick that, in hindsight, I probably should have shot, right. but. In Indiana, we're a, I mean, other than the urban season, it's a one buck state, and there's there's usually a good handful of nice bucks walking around somewhere. Um, yeah. And I've always at least got one kind of pet, not peg, but at least one kind of in the back of my mind that I'd like to kill. And I don't, I don't want to sound, I don't want this to come across wrong. I don't, I don't want to drop what my standards of what yeah. the compound would be to hunt with the stick bow because I want to shoot. I want to shoot nicer bucks just because I'm in an area that has them. Yeah. And of course, when I'm toting a stick bow around, like you said, they're sticking around at about 40 or 35 yards. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but I, I just, I know that enough times out in the woods with a stick, it'll, it'll eventually come together to where a buck that I want to shoot comes by within stick bow range. So, yeah, you know, it's funny. We were just talking about this. Um, I feel like I'm more selective with the stick bow than I have was even just with my shots. Mm. Like I am less willing to, I just, I wait, oh, yeah. I'm wait. I feel like it's actually been great. It makes me more patient um, where I'm fine passing up a shot that I don't feel great about. Cause I've, I, I'll admit like there early on, there were shots that I'm like, I have, I'm going to take a shot at that, you know, with, with the recurve. And it's just so much slower that if a deer is any alert at all, uh, a, a longer shot or, you know, when the deer is super alert, it's just not even wait, worth losing the arrow. Cause it, by the time the arrow gets there, it's, you're not, you're not in the game. Mm-hmm. Well, and the, the thing that, you know, I practice at 25 to 30 yards with a stick bow, and I'm not saying I'm a great shot, but when I'm practicing there, like absolutely perfect conditions, I can usually hit what I'm aiming at, at 20 to 25 yards. And then I don't know if you saw, I've had a video out on the push channel, probably while well, it was fall or winter of 2019. And I had a, a buck that I had been hunting for years come by. He had a drop tine hanging off one side. And he came in, and I knew he was going to walk this certain trail, and I knew that trail was at 24 yards. And he he came in right off that trail, and I just I looked at him. And with a stick bow, with the compound, 24 yards looks like a very reasonable oh, shot. Yeah. With the stick, dude, that may as well have been a mile with, with adrenaline pumping. I, I don't know how guys hold it together at 24 yards. I mean, there are guys that are shooting at 30, 35 yards with a stick. I just, I can't, I can't bring myself to do that yet. I don't have that confidence yet, but. No, I'm with you. I in feel- the moment, and especially with deer, they're just so, 
jumpy and it's like yeah i just don't want to do like something really dumb and feel really bad about it you know yep yeah well and um like like i said i'm hunting pretty small tracks so i i would almost rather let an opportunity slip through that deer has no idea i'm in the world than to throw an arrow at it and either one wound it and, and lose it or two even just alerting it that i shot at it bothers the heck out of me so I'm just waiting for that chip shot, man. There's going to be a buck dumb enough to walk by. Yeah, that's right. That's what stop, I count on. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. I'm calling a break. You're calling a break? Break in the episode. This for- is a timeout. Timeout in the episode, and we are going to thank a couple more sponsors, so deal with it. It's no secret that I love traditional archery, and I love Bivouac Boco. Jim and Georgia, years of experience. Each bow is handcrafted, one of a kind. I've got special camo limbs that nice. they did special for me. They look awesome, and they stand the test of time, but it's looking great, shoots great. Check them out at bivouacboco.com. Wild Pursuit Wellness makes premium CBD products. It's all natural, broad-spectrum CBD, meaning that there is less than 0.0% THC. It can be ingested or used topically on the skin to help with muscle soreness or joints. We, we use it a lot after a long hike. Use promo code BOGA for 20% off at checkout. Check them out, wildpursuitwellness.com. We, uh, uh, just actually going back to, to the to Spork, you, you mentioned you're hunting this this knob kind of of woods poking out into a field. How are you entering? You said you got this like bulletproof entry. What does that look like? It's honestly just, so it's an open field road on the West end of the field. Um, so I say bulletproof. It's the only time it's dangerous is that there are deer in that field. It seems like there isn't a whole lot of nighttime feeding in that field, which is weird though. Um, but there is a low, like a low spot in the field, like a grassy waterway, the farmer leaves. And I'm able to take that right in. And if there are deer out in the field, I'm usually kind of below eyesight and I can just come in off the tip of that peninsula. And I've got a a trail kind of cleared, uh, keep it cleared back to, to the spot that, I mean, unless it's got a lot of West in that wind, there's almost no way they can get downwind of me without going out into the open field and, and in that case whatever but it's it's pretty well a bulletproof spot to sit and a bulletproof entry i've i've spooked very few deer outside of maybe a couple does here and there and i apparently spork the morning i killed him maybe i spooked more deer than i know but you um, think that was spork the, the deer you saw oh well yeah i meant to mention i so i looked at my i had a trail camera on kind of a good there's like one entrance that they use off of the main block coming out into the peninsula. I've got yeah. a camera there. So almost any deer that comes out there under that point, I get pictures of. Gotcha. Um, and I had a picture of him heading back into the block at like 630 that morning, right as I was coming up. <sighs> Hilarious. So I know he so was you there. bumped him and he still came back in. Yeah, he probably, and it wasn't a hard bump. Like the picture of him, he's just kind of moseying back in. He's not running. He's right. not, he's not even fast walking. It's just kind of a trotting back in. No. And I think he probably went right in and just bedded. There's some, it's super thick right in there. And he probably just bedded. I mean, he had to be super close because as soon as I rattled, it wasn't 30 seconds later, he was on me. So I wonder why, like you always wonder what goes through the buck's head. Like why that time? Cause sometimes it's like you hardly spook a buck and he's gone and never coming back as opposed to sometimes they just, I mean, he didn't bet. He didn't even go that far. 
I, I, I think it comes down to personality. Like they're yeah. all just completely different animals. They're the same species, but they're different animals. Would you get bumped with your personality? How, like say you got bumped. <laughs> I'm skittish, man. You'd be gone. I'd be gone, dude. <laughs> if I hear something nasty or something that's like, Oh jeez, really? What the heck? Oh yeah, I'm out of there. Dude, the moment I'm hearing antlers just tickle, I'm coming in. You know, big neck, <laughs> ready to fight someone up, man. But you'd probably be a spike, uh, a, a four-year-old yeah, right. spike. <laughs> the, okay, <laughs> actually, this is a good thing. We've never talked about this. Jared and I will send each other pictures of our spirit bucks. So I'll be like, hey, man, I found a picture of your spirit buck. And you find, like, he finds, like, the weirdest little antlers. Or I'll get – I always pick big, fat deer with little antlers. You know, and so we'll send each other – you got you have it I saved have it, as yeah. my – This – oh, I can't. It's a it it's a spike buck that's the spikes are like thick, but it's just like this. And uh so we'll regularly oh, send there I'll it just is. regularly tell send Jared that's my spike buck. You can see it right in here. Oh, you hate hey, to see it. There there's worse deer to be right to have that as At a least I got that mass, dude. See <laughs> that mass? You would not mess with it. You just told him like, hey, I, I wanna fight. <laughs> I wanna play. I think I think uh, I would be susceptible to uh to rattling. You wouldn't? You'd just be gone? Oh, I'd be I'd be running in trying could, to throw my weight around. I could picture you running in, being like, I'd lumber know, in, popping your chest out a little bit. I'd, I'd check stuff out, Not but I'd real. keep my distance. Would you? Not a fighter. <laughs> no. <laughs> I wish there were more bucks like you around here because they hate rattling usually around here. Same here. I, I mean, that is that's legitimately the first buck I've actually killed with antlers. Like, I never use. I've rattled a few small ones in, but that's the first mature buck I've ever rattled into bow range. Well, it's interesting too. Like you. Having enough experience with him to know that he's susceptible to like calling in—that's that's incredible knowledge that like a lot of times guys just don't have on the deer that they're hunting. Well, and I I knew, so I'm trying to think of when it was. I think it was November 11th of the previous year, so 2019. I called him in, and it was—I'm pretty sure it was a rattling sequence and a pretty hard grunt. I mean, I was really getting at it. And he came charging in the same trail I killed him on. I mean, he came walking right in, did the exact same thing um, that I, the morning I killed him the year following. And I thought, okay, maybe that was, he's just keyed up and high on adrenaline and testosterone. And then that winter, so post rut, it was like late, it was almost January. He was out feeding in that open field with a couple does. And I just thought, I'm going to play with him and test him. And I got out the grunt call and he's probably 250 yards away. And I gave two like pretty low, pretty quiet, just loud enough that he could hear. And boy, he whipped his head up and just bristled up and came stomping right to me, 250 yards. So I knew he he thinks he ruled the roost. So. Love that. You love that's hubris right there. Mm-hmm. Buck that's hubris. Some hu- buck hubris. He, great for hunters, bad for bucks. Bad for bucks. Uh, yep. So uh, interesting. So now this year, are you going out? with uh south again are you uh you got any big plans are you head to iowa or anything fun like that i i actually the first out-of-state hunt i've ever done was turkey hunt out in ohio a couple weeks ago i i hunt right here i yeah i am so happy to hunt here in indiana and stick around through the whole well especially with a stick bow in hand it seems like i'm holding it till the bitter end so i get every dollar's worth of my tag here in indiana as it is so you know packing up Packing up to head out of state isn't usually something I've done. I've considered it, and I may do it this fall. Um, go out to Ohio, maybe I don't know. Um, but as far as going out to film out west, I don't. I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not itching to get back out there right away. Um, it was. 
it was a pretty intense hunt um you know physically and just time demanding and all that stuff so um yeah i don't know what the fall is going to bring but um yeah yeah, we'll see yeah Yeah, that's always the case we've we've been a lot a lot like that for a long time where it's like we i mean michigan's tough tough hunting um not a lot of big bucks uh there's we actually a fair amount of deer um and we just hunt public land a lot so up into you know until relatively recently maybe the last five or so years uh we've stayed in state and just extensively extensively hunted certain areas um you know maybe a couple hour wide portions of the state and just stuck there some spots up north um but yeah i mean there's like a lot of stories of these guys having these great adventures out of state but you know what we found is that i mean even hunting in your backyard uh this past year i hunted in my i have three acre spot that i'm just moving out of uh hunted there and it was kind of urban. So I was able to basically hunt there every day. And I saw mm-hmm. an unbelievable amount of deer every, every single time. Right. Had some good shots at, at, at bucks. And it's like, this is an, a crazy adventure too. It's just like very different. I saw does fighting like right below my stand yeah. with their heads. And like, at first I'm like, I thought they were button bucks. I had the binoculars out and it's like absolutely does. Hmm. It's just weird. You see that. weird stuff like that or foxes tearing around. Um, and so it's just cool. Like you can go out of state and I mean, we definitely do and will be doing that, but like in state, there's awesome, awesome stuff to find. Well, and that's, I'm kind of a homebody anyway, for the most part. And I am just super, I hunt an area. Um, one of the primary areas that I hunt, one of the counties I hunt, I grew up with my dad out there hunting and I'm, hunt, I'm hunting just in an area that has so much deep hunting history for me right there that, I, I could not see a deer all season. I, I say that I'm lying, but <laughs> right. I could not day see three and you're out and, <laughs> yeah. and be perfectly satisfied. I just love hunting here in Indiana. And there's, there's usually knock on wood. There's usually no shortage of, of deer, um, for the most part. And there's usually a, a handful of good bucks around. And it seems like if I hunt hard for an entire season, um, and I average probably, Oh, 50 60 plus sits around here and it's within that 50 or 60 sits i'm usually going to see a good buck at least two or three or four times um and that to me that's enough of adrenaline dump i don't need to travel a lot to get that i'm i'm having fun right around home and i've it's just never been anything that crossed my mind to leave the state and go hunt somewhere else because i've got bucks that i want to kill here um and i i already struggle with that what makes me think i'm going to kill one out of state right (laughs) because you get well and you know we've talked about this a lot the difference out of state is you get like four days five days and you yeah. got to quick figure it out, which there's a whole lot of fun, which we love to do figure out a new spot real quick and, For sure. you know, test your woodsman skills and all that. But, uh, to get to know an area, get to know a buck like you did. Uh, that's, that's incredible. That's, that's the fun for me is the history with the deer. Um, I mean, there's been multiple deers, our deer, there's this one, well, I almost killed him. Uh, so let's see the, the buck that I killed in urban zone, I killed on the 12th of November last year. And on the I think it was the first of November. Um, I had a buck named George that came in, um, and dude, I almost had him killed. He was at 30 yards with doe, just in some honeysuckle brush. And he kept grunting. I mean, it was late morning. It was like 11 o'clock in the morning and he was grunting, pushing her around through that thicket. And I thought I'm finally going to get a chance. Well, this is a buck that I almost killed with a stick bow the year before. And there was a video that I have on the push. Um, and that buck, uh, I think last year he would have been nine or 10, and I've had history with them for, I think, seven of those years. So, I mean, that that to me is the big thrill is following a buck for 
multiple years and trying to pick it, figuring them out and just get the one opportunity that I'm going to get at them. Yeah, it's like a psychological game at some point. You're just figuring out who he is, how he how he acts, mm-hmm. how to when to step in. That's that's really cool. Um, yep, yeah, and like I said, that's when you start realizing their personalities are just completely different. I mean, it becomes pretty evident by the time they hit five or six or seven what their personality is. Yeah, who are and they? A homebody? Are they a guy that that goes way oh, yeah. out? Do they fight? Do they, you know, do they lay? For are they sure. real passive? Yeah, yeah. You see well, it a bunch. You see all types of deer. Like we, like we were talking was on, on a previous podcast. Uh, like we find found deer that hide, like are good at like tucking up under brush and stuff, and other deer who love to just uh tips of uh you know points out in the swamps um yep. and it's just funny how that how they change uh even though they're all in the same area mm-hmm. well a good example of that around here so we're pretty open a lot of where i hunt like there's maybe a two or three or four acre patch of woods and then just hundreds and you know maybe thousands of acres of crops between and so i'm hunting pretty small like fence rows and patches of woods um but there are some larger blocks maybe like six seven eight miles away and over the last few years, my cousin and I, um, we hunt the same area and there's, there's a handful of other hunters around there, but it's not super heavily hunted because there's not a whole lot of huntable cover. Um, I mean, we, like I said, he found that shed off that buck seven miles away. And then that again, that happened again this fall. There was a buck that we were following around up on the prairie out in this area. And then my cousin stumbled on that buck shed seven and a half miles away. Um, so I think what, what's kind of tricky for my situation is there's more roamers than homebodies. Um, so the odds of the odds of getting on a buck like that, just on that happenstance that one morning you're in the right tree, the odds are just super low anyway. Anyway, I I think that's, that's kind of the fun for me is seeing the personality and some of them are huge, huge roamers. I mean, 10 plus miles. Um, and then some of them you're pretty much going to get every picture and see that buck all within about a mile. So Um, yeah it's amazing how it works and it's like very different terrain by you uh you know where it's major like ours is minority fields majority woods mm -hmm. probably um when you're out are you are you hanging and like do you have set up pre-set up stands are you hanging hunt do you stalk or or is it what does it look like uh, i always well the last handful of years i've always hung a stand i i have a bunch of trees with screwing steps in them and so like if i've got a farm like it may literally be five acres that I can hunt or like in the case of spork, it's three acres. And, you know, I, would I be smart to have a stand in there? Yeah, probably. But I've got a tree already picked out with, with screw in pegs and I've got a stand that I absolutely love and I've got, you know, tuned to how I like it. So I just pack it in with me and it takes me an extra 15, 20 seconds to hang the thing and I can do it quietly. So I just pack in a stand everywhere. And then if I go to a spot where I'm not exactly sure if I'm going to use a preset tree or not, I'll just throw a couple sticks on the stand and, and go in and figure out where I want to go sit. And that's how I actually killed my urban buck last year was I was seeing a bunch of bucks on this one path and thought, well, I'm going to move over there. And so I went over and hung, you know, 50 yards over and, and got him killed. So it's, I, I'm a pretty mobile hunter for the most part. I don't like to, I don't usually like to set up in the same spots multiple, a lot of times. Yeah. Well, especially so. with these small tracks, like it doesn't take long for you to get pegged. You know? No, even if you're just 10 yards over, I mean, that makes a big difference. It yeah. seems like, cause they, if they figure it out once they're looking at that tree every time they walk by. Agreed. It. Yeah. I, I feel like does, so you get some of those older does, especially and that, that does always just, you know, she pegs you out real fast. Oh yeah. 
Yep, um, have a lot of that. So you, uh, what's your, what stand, what, 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 like, what's so special about this uh, stand setup that are you just used to it, or what have you uh, figured out that you like? I, I was using for years. I was using like a lone wolf assault, um, and I had it, you know, fully quieted down and customized how I wanted it. And I would hang it in a tree, and then go. I don't want to sit anywhere else. I want to go sit in that tree in that stand. Well, then I thought, well, why am I leaving it out there? I'm just going to pack it everywhere I go because I really enjoy it. Well, then last year I picked up that Lone Wolf Custom Gear 0.5 stand. And I thought it would be too small because I'm a big dude. But I absolutely love that stand. And it only weighs, you know, like six pounds or something. So as soon as I got that in my hands, I thought, yep, this is the stand. I, I don't ever see probably leaving a stand anywhere ever again. With a stand that light, it adds almost nothing to my back. Just to throw it on and go. And like I said, it only adds 15 seconds to hang it if I'm walking up a tree on on screwing pegs. So yeah, um, yeah, that's how yeah, we are. That's... We we do uh, we do the saddle the saddle thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And because we hunt so much public land, it's just like a couple sticks. Yeah. The platform that's like this big. You yeah. Know, and your saddle and it's it, easy. It's yep. easy and it's so light. It's it's so much different. I just was laughing. We used to have the what were those uh, those climbers we had? Those really loud. Do you still have yours? I could. Like an old summit. Summit. Yes. Yeah, so it was a summit. Yeah. yeah, it was just like my whole back. It looked like I was like Alpine, you know, yep. backpacking. <laughs> and it was heavy and it was these remember those little strap like uh they were they suck. Those fabric just webbing straps. straps. Yes. Yep. And it was like, Oh, you get out there, you can't carry anything. Or like I would what I would do is uh take bungee cords and bungee my uh, clothes. Yeah. Yeah. I did the same thing, dude. Yeah. I, and honestly, I would have been hunting with one of those for longer if I, there was one night I got completely lazy and just said, forget this. I'm going to leave the, the stand on the tree. Yeah. And I went back out there maybe two or three days later to go find it. was gone. Yeah. So somebody took it. And looking back on it, that was quite a blessing. Did you a favor? There, I moved on, <laughs> I moved on Thanks, to the hanging hunt with a, with a hang on. And it was, it was downhill ever since then. But I, I used the saddle for probably one full season. I gave it, I gave it um, 100%. Um, and I dabbled with her for probably five years and I do love the saddle idea. I, I never got super great with a stick bow out of it. If I was compound hunting, I would have no trouble, but I just had, there were a couple of angles that I had trouble with a saddle. So it um, can be tricky. What's your, what's your, yeah. uh, how long is your, what bow are you 64. Six, ooh, a big, big bow. Yeah. Yeah. So the string angle was really contacting the bridge quite a bit Yep. Uh, on certain angles. Like if it was right behind me, I was fine. Yeah. But if I was trying to shoot, you know, face on the tree, if I was trying to shoot at like 10 o'clock, yeah. I was, I was having trouble. You had to like lean my... forward a little bit with some of those. Yeah. yeah. I dealt with some, I had a, I had a longbow. Was that two years ago? And mm-hmm. I had some of that. It, it was fine. You can make it work. And mm-hmm. I, I, had, yeah. I messed with my bridge and some of my, my rope set up and I got it to work, but you almost had to be closer to the tree. Um, I, I ended up running like a tether at like almost chest high, yep. like really low and keeping a super short bridge. Yep. Yeah. That, so. seemed, that seemed to work for me too. Um, that's interesting. So you, uh, are you even tr- true trad? Don't you, uh, have like a site? What'd you put on your bow the other day? Are you even real? <laughs> no, I don't know I got, that he's really trad. I don't know. <laughs> that bow, dude, it, it looks pretty sacrilegious, but it's, it's pretty sweet. I, I don't know. I've dabbled with it a little bit. I keep going back. It's funny because I've talked to certain guys that are this way. Like I'm not opposed to a metal bow at all. And I, I honestly, I've owned some, I shoot the best groups I've ever shot have been with a metal ILF bow, but 
there's just something about like if I'm going traditional, I just love the, the wood in your wood hand. Bows. Yeah, I love the wood bows. Um, so I, I've picked it up quite a few times. I've got one of those little like I've got like two little screw in si- or uh, pins, like Three River sells them um, on this uh what is it a dos 8 ht21 one of those push risers yeah um and it's pretty sweet shoots great holds well but i just keep going back to like the stalker the stalker longbow yeah. i absolutely love Real the pretty bows. yeah he makes oh, yeah. a beautiful bow well if i'm if i'm not killing anything i may as well have something really pretty and <laughs> aesthetically right. beautiful to, to look at so <laughs> that's right <laughs> That's right. So you, uh, so um, you, you mentioned beforehand you're you're up editing. Are you got? Do you have something else in the uh, the can? Is that what they call it? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm just. I'm. There's always something to be editing. I've got probably three or four different projects I'm working on, just local client stuff. Um, but trying to land some some larger client work. Hopefully, we'll see. Um, not necessarily in the outdoor industry, but you know, any anything that would uh, possibly require a little travel and have some bigger. Um, maybe some bigger filming opportunities. I get, I, I'm not, I'm not at all ungrateful for what I get around here. I'm, I'm super blessed with local work. I keep pretty busy. Um, but you know, you're always looking dreaming about that next big thing. Oh, so. Big adventures. Yeah. I mean, that's, ha- oh, seems yeah. like that's half of it, right? Yeah, for sure. Well, and after doing, after doing South's video last year, it was not a letdown is kind of a strong word, but it was almost that to go back to just, you know, normal editing workflow. Cause I was <laughs> editing that and like, dude, I, I'm looking at all this beauty on this screen. And then I go back to, you know, right around cornfields and all this. And not that I don't love that, but it's yeah. just like, man, that's a whole different world. Very so, different. Very different. Yeah. So I, you know, doing something again like that, or just, you know, traveling to a different area, that's that's definitely on the on the docket i want to be working on on projects like that here coming up so that's awesome Mm -hmm. well where can people um we're coming up on time but where can people uh find out like where can they look watch this video first of all like like, where can they see this um you can actually find it on my youtube page flatland films uh youtube um it's also on south stalker stick bows youtube channel um and i've got i've got some teasers and stuff for it on my instagram um on flatland films instagram uh facebook all that so um yeah you can find me there find my most recent work and and contact me if you have some projects you want to work on yeah go back to the video that he posted where he passed up that monster buck with a stick bow and just shame him give him a shame comment on there (laughs) shame shame i did i think i did it was a long time ago but i vividly remember being like i watched it at work and I'm like, man, he threw shade. Oh, yeah. I'm like, dude, unbelievable. You know, so there's more shade. Why would why would you do that? Yeah, <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's funny is I think I mentioned in there, I didn't want to kill him. It was on Halloween. I didn't want to kill him that early. But if that buck walked by December 15th, I was going to kill him. Well, I ended up seeing him late December, probably about 100 yards out in the field. And you don't know how many times I was praying quietly come on please get over here come yeah. on i wanted like i wanted to shoot him then yeah but of course i was dominant and shoot him at 10 yards on halloween so when it comes to 100 yards though jared what's our motto aim high play the wind aim high play the wind i you know what i'm, I'm glad you, i'm glad you knew what i was thinking <laughs> this might as well be the aim high play the wind podcast because uh you know, one of these. I'll have just, to remember that. Yep. <laughs> awesome. Well, Ben, hey, thank you so much for taking the time. It was really great to to meet you, to hear, hear more about uh, the things you're doing, and uh, everybody who's listening, go check them out. For sure. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it.